episode 101 of a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda surovich hello linda hey allison and maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison so since we recorded last week it feels like at least a month's worth of mets for most teams this would be a whole season's worth of insert team here but for the mets i'll just reduce it i'll give it a handicap and say it feels like it's been a month's worth of mets has happened in a week, but it's really just a week's worth of Mets. Um, <laughs> but that's a lot of Mets. It's that's still a lot of Mets. Saying. Too much Mets for anyone's liking. <laughs> um, the last and inclu- in like true Mets form, also including like a winning streak. Yeah, like that's what they do. They're like, here's five wins and three buckets of garbage. <laughs> Because you don't know how to feel. <laughs> I might legit call this episode Here's Five Wins and Three Buckets, buckets of Garbage. Of garbage. <laughs> because there's nothing, there's not a better descriptor than that for what has happened. It's like the last time you recorded, Javi Baez had just done the thumbs down thing, and then he had he came in to score the winning run and a Mets walk-off win that ended up kicking off a rather lengthy winning streak, as Maggie alluded to. It ended up being a seven-game winning streak that the Mets went on. They swept the Marlins and then they won the first two games in DC, the Friday night game and the day game on Saturday. Although that day game on Saturday, they almost lost when they were winning nine, nothing. The nationals came back to tie it nine to nine. And then the Mets ended up winning 11 to nine. I was there. It was excruciating. Um, But they won anyway. Um, But then they finally had that winning streak snapped on uh during the nightcap of the doubleheader um and then they bounced back and won again on sunday but then monday's game was kind of a backbreaker and of course they had to end things on that note and now we're having an extremely mets marlins game that is happening where there's a cinnamon toast crunch or something like i don't even know um so yeah that kind of put a damper on what would have been a nice four out of five win series win series against the nationals but you know they did have the nice win streak they you know, I know that we said that they were toast, but maybe they're like cinnamon toast, given the cinnamon toast crunch. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they could sparkle some cinnamon on the toast and make it taste a little better, even though it's still burnt toast. Maybe it just doesn't quite taste as bad. Yeah, they're um, new- adding some sweetness to it. Their new hand gesture when they have a big hit can be like sprinkling fingers, like sprinkling the cinnamon for a little... But then it people will get that confused with like salt bay and no be Yeah, it'll be salt bay. And they already did do the salt and pepper shaker, so they can just they bring did. that back. That was a Todd well, Frazier. Todd Frazier. <laughs> Olympian Todd Frazier. Um, Silver medalist Todd, Todd Frazier. Not the medals. Todd Frazier on this team again. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> I, I cannot deal Todd. with another year of remembering he's a Met. I, that's just too much. I'm not ready for it. Too much Mets and too much Todd. <laughs> too much Todd. Too much Jersey. <laughs> hey, one can never have enough New Jersey. I'm just saying. Well, I, I was just there. I got no complaints. I spent a week in Jersey. It was, yeah. it was fine. <laughs> um. 
But of course, literally in the midst of all of this, we have our three buckets of garbage that Maggie alluded to um, a day, literally a day after the Javi Baez thing, like Wednesday afternoon. So this was right after our podcast from last week dropped Wednesday afternoon. Um, at, we found out that acting Ma- uh, general manager Zach Scott was arrested early Tuesday morning and was charged with a DUI. Um, so basically what happened with that was that Zach Scott was found dozing off in his car in White Plains at around four o'clock in the morning um, at a stoplight near the courthouse downtown. Incidentally, a uh, an intersection that I have driven and walked around many times. Yeah, um, I have I grew- too. I grew up in Westchester. I know. Yep. I know my White Plains. Um, and I just tell you, if you are unconscious at a stoplight in White Plains at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday, you have taken some wrong turns in life. Oh, and boy. And they're like, the White Plains is the exact wrong place to do it, too. Like, because it's probably gotten better since the turtle closed. But, um... But they take their drunk driving very seriously there because of all the bars that are there. And he's stopped at this. For those of you who are not familiar with White Plains, this traffic light, this intersection where he stopped, it's downtown. And not yeah, only is it next to, next to the courthouse, it's across the street from the police headquarters. Police station. <laughs> Literally sleep in your car at the stoplight across the street from the police station like how dumb are you (laughs) i will say at no point in this season at all did i find myself thinking wow that zach scott is really sharp (laughs) yeah true (laughs) like like the judgment on that one way to go really (laughs) he just confirmed all our words yeah (laughs) (laughs) well no so it also needs to be said that he was coming back from a function in steve cohen's house in greenwich so that's the other piece of this is that he's drunk driving at work yeah Yeah. so this so he got drunk at work so he had been present at the amazing mets foundation fundraiser being held at steve cohen's home in connecticut now obviously i was not there many players were there um i was not there i cannot speak to how raucous of an event this was but what we do know and what the mets made sure that the beats all tweeted at the exact same time is that Zach Scott was seen leaving the fundraiser when it ended around 8.30 or 9 in the evening. So there is a large gap between when this fundraiser ended and when Scott Theoretically was found ended. Theoretically. Theoretically ended. So we don't know what happened. There's a lot of hours that we got to fill there that we don't know what happened. And one can speculate, but I feel speculation is kind of useless on this matter. Clearly some sort of after what? partying on his part was had we don't know if he was alone in partaking in that or if there were others partaking in that um just let your imagination run wild just look, enjoy the show just you know doesn't mean anything just think of the best story you can and that's what happened and, and it's look, unclear how long he was asleep <laughs> yeah like to. traffic on there's traffic on 95 can be bad but it's not seven hours worth of bad right <laughs> So from Greenwich to White Plains should not take you seven hours. In theory, it should not. Um, So we don't know what is occurring. And and I saw lots of people trying to be like, oh, but we don't know he was actually operating the vehicle. Actually, we do, because he was also charged with several traffic violations in addition to his DWI. It was like and, you know, it was things that were I don't remember the exact like wording of the charges, but it was things that make it abundantly clear that he was stopped in the middle of the road at the stoplight, not like pulled over on the side or in a parking lot like he got he got he got nailed with like 
being stopped in the middle of the road where you shouldn't be. I'm translating from legalese and like being stopped, like ignoring a stoplight. Like it was green and he was ignoring it because he was asleep. So like this was, he was in the middle of the road. He was operating the vehicle. He fell asleep. And he should have done that in New York City because honestly, nobody would have noticed for days. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many like stopped and double parked cars everywhere in the city. People would just drive around him forever. Now it it, it was really, that was his biggest mistake. The gallows humor that I immediately thought of with this was what if this had happened a day later than it happened? He would have like died. Because it, it, it would have flooded out and his car would have like floated away while he was. Oh, God. It. Yeah, especially with the Bronx yeah. River not too far. A lot of white planes flooded. Yeah, I mean, like- God willing, he wouldn't have left a party blackout drunk in the middle of an actual hurricane. hurricane. Like somebody might have tried to stop him at that Hopefully. point. Knock wood. Who knows? They're all geniuses here. So yeah. everyone's clearly really smart. And I think uh, in New York law, it doesn't matter if you were, I think as long as your keys are in the ignition, you count as driving. Yeah, I you're think, operating yeah. the vehicle. You're and I think you have to be sitting vehicle. in the driver's seat as well. Like you can't yeah. be in the passenger seat, which is, if, which if someone were to say to themselves, I am not in a position to drive at this time, I'm going to, and I, you know, I have nothing to do but nap, like nap it off. One gets in the passenger seat of the car and does that. That yes. is not what, happened, what happened here. And um, you pull over somewhere. You don't stop in the middle of an intersection. <laughs> right, right. So this was really bad, what he did, obviously. It's real terrible. Super dangerous. Like putting people's lives at risk. Somebody. Yeah. It was pure luck that the headline wasn't Nets GM kills someone, which I for sure expect to come next. Right, like- That's the only thing left for Mets GMs at this point. Like drunk driving is inexcusable no matter who you are, but it's especially inexcusable for someone who can afford an Uber at any time of night, who can afford to take an Uber home and pick up his car the next day, wherever it is, by taking another rideshare service or whatever to get his car. Like this is not someone who needed, absolutely needed to be driving at this time and had no other means to deal with this problem like i mean in all seriousness he might it kind of sounds like he just has a serious serious problem which is really sad and i hope he fixes it yeah no seriously like i hope i hope this man gets help i hope this man gets help because this the way that this went down is an indicator that this is not his first rodeo with this um and usually when you when you get caught it's usually not the first time that you've done this it's just the first time you've been caught um, because this is something that is indicative of a serious problem, and I hope he gets help for it. Um, but in the meantime, um, the Mets um, released a statement in in the immediate aftermath saying, not as immediate, by the way, as, as they did in the aftermath of the Javi Baez thumbs down thing, which I'll get to. Um, but the Mets released a statement that says, we were surprised and deeply disappointed to learn this morning about an alleged DUI involving Zach Scott, We take this matter very seriously. Zach will not be traveling with the team for our upcoming road trip while we learn more and determine next steps. This is far more succinct and milder than the statement that Sandy Alderson put out about Javi Baez. And this dude drove drunk and is in charge of this team. And what Sandy Alderson said about this 
or Sandy Alderson, not even Sandy Alderson, just the Mets. So Sandy Alderson didn't even put his name on this is far milder. There's nothing about like the word unacceptable was used for Javi Baez's behavior, which is just a silly, like thumbs down gesture. The word unacceptable about not here. (laughs) And you know what? It wasn't in the Jared Porter conversations either. It is so interesting. What bothers Sandy Alderson? What makes him really mad? In this case, they're surprised. They're surprised and deeply disappointed. They were not surprised. They didn't express any surprise (laughs) bias or, or disappointment. They expressed like basically contempt is the best way I can describe it. Outrage. Outrage, which these two things, the magnitude of the, of the magnitude of the offense is so different. And yet here we are just issuing like very mild, like we're very saddened and disappointed by this. Like we will deal with it. Like the, it's literally the, we will deal with this matter internally Mets meme. Like, and I mean, they did deal with this matter internally. They, the next day they put Scott on administrative leave. Um, and that was the right thing to do. So good. They did the right thing. They put him on administrative leave. I hope he gets help um, with Sandy Alderson assuming his duties as GM. So it's like one of those things where it's like, cool, they did the right thing. But now Sandy Alderson's in charge of everything. <laughs> <laughs> the, like the one thing they didn't want, like they couldn't find a team president. So Sandy Alderson became the team president. They had to fire their GM. And then he hired the backup GM. And then now he has to be the GM. Like with his son running interference. Yes. With like, his, oh my God. They I also like, I did a, a nepotism. People, yeah. I know. And I, and I will say everyone's like the nepotism. And, and like, I agree. It looks real bad. But also, my God. I mean, how do you find anyone at that point that even knows like where the phone is? I mean, <laughs> right. What's the password? <laughs> they can't like onboard somebody. Like that office has to be the absolute saddest place on the planet. And maybe it's just as well that no one is being cramped into that who will matter at all next year. Yeah. Like on one hand, like I totally get it because it's like, how many more fail sons can we possibly cram into one more into one organization? Like we didn't, we just deal with this for the past, like many decades of Wilpon ownership, like fail sons, assuming bigger and bigger roles. Um, but also like, this is a temporary situation. One hopes and like, who's going to come to the Mets at this point and deal with this Although, garbage. To be fair, Strowman did have high praise for Brian Andrews and Balderson. I hope so. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's fine. I'm yeah. sure he like, I'm sure he's a step up on his predecessor, Bale Son, in like the college department. You know, I'm sure he can like read. Yeah, he's, he's probably like, educated at the very least. I mean, but but I think it's also I I, re- I will absolutely take this back if he is on an any role next year. But like, I also just feel like he's a throwaway. Like, we're never gonna have to hear that name again. Yeah, I hope and so. And I think that's just as well. Yeah, I think they're going to clean house, or at least I hope they do. You're not. Because, like, what else, like, how many mulligans does this front office get? Or how many scandals does this front office get? Like, at this point, what's the answer besides cleaning house? I don't know, but they, but I do know that 
Sandy Alderson was asked about this today um, huh. by the media. <laughs> um, and like he, the way he was asked, the word unbecoming was used. So it was basically the question was like, how, how, what is your reaction to all the recent front office hires behaving in a quote, unbecoming fashion? And see, Sandy Alderson replied, quote, to a large extent, they were unrelated, each one of them. And I'm not sure that it points to a single flaw in our hiring process, but it's obviously caused us to take a hard look at it. That's not the full quote, but that's the, that's the important piece. And he just goes on to keep saying like, we're looking at it. We're looking at it. Like one, like, what are you doing to look at it? Like what, please give me some specific details about it. You can't just say we're looking at it. Like, what do you mean? And two, it obviously does point to some, like, even if each incident, even if each person is acting on their own accord, I, I, I fully understand that these, that the Mets front office is not working in concert. They don't have a group chat where they're like, let us do crimes. Like they, <laughs> well, they it, it bring. It brings to mind my, one of my favorite lines of all time, um, which I heard from justified. It may, it may like perceive that, but if you meet an asshole in the morning, you met an asshole. If you meet assholes all day, you're the asshole. Right. Exactly. And that (laughs) Sandy, you're the the asshole. You're the asshole. Like what, like what is the common denominator here? It's you. It's you. You're the common denominator. Didn't he, like, didn't he hire Mickey Calloway also? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he brought back Reyes. Like, this is not like, and again, so basically his entire defense this whole time has been, I could not have possibly foreseen that these people would act this way. Okay. But we have a specific concrete example of you bringing a guy back into the organization after women told you he was an asshole. So I mm-hmm. can't he believe doesn't you. Care. He absolutely doesn't care. We like, have at, an example at, of this. Like, it's in best, the athletic article. They, the, that guy Newman, the, the women went, to, multiple mm-hmm. women went to Sandy Alderson and said, you cannot possibly bring this guy back. He sucks for all these reasons. He's done all these things. His conduct towards women is terrible. And Sandy brought him back anyway. So you can't you can't keep putting up the defense of, I can't possibly know these guys will act this way. When you do know they act this way, you don't do anything about it. So what, well, also, why, can't I, why can't I trust you? I can't. Well, also, everybody knew about dick pic Mick except for him. Like, yeah. I find that hard yeah. to believe, too. <laughs> find Come that on. hard to believe, yes, yes. And I like, mean, it was you an know, open secret, yet somehow he was shocked by During it. the Mickey Calloway, parts of the Mickey Calloway era, and even during the hiring process, again, I'm going to have to go back through the timeline. We we did a more specific timeline uh, on the podcast with this when we first talked about Mickey Calloway. But Sandy Alderson, to be fair, was on leave at the time for his cancer treatment, I think, or it was like right before or right after or like it was right around the time. And yeah. so the extent to his the extent of his day to day hands on involvement is unclear. But to act like you had absolutely no idea is probably a lie. <laughs> yeah, like there had to have been some hint. Yeah, like because he did it with Cl- Cleveland, and I think. Yeah. He was it. There was somebody in Arizona too, but I can't remember when that was. 
there was the woman in Arizona. Maybe that was just from spring training, but um, but yeah, like everybody in Cleveland knows, and you don't check any reference or the references you check all gave him a glowing report. But the woman filed a complaint. The woman and her husband filed a formal complaint. You don't follow up on that when you're hiring somebody, right? And and um and Bradford re-upped this fact today, and he's absolutely right, which is that. At the time, Alderson justified a lot of this with, you know, well, there aren't many women in these positions, in these high executive positions to ask about this stuff when we're vetting candidates. And like, overall, that point is not wrong. But when you specifically talk about Porter, he was in the Red Sox organization and he, and there was a woman in that front office who was his superior at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, you can't say there's no women to ask. There's a woman right there. <laughs> Although also, also as abusers know who to abuse and not. And it's actually like, it's totally possible that she would have been like, no, he never did anything inappropriate right. with me. And then yeah. they would hide behind that because they know who they can abuse and who they can't. Like there's Absolutely always true. that power dynamic that they yeah. take advantage of. But I mean, now that you have repeated Allison, what was in that athletic article, which like I remembered, I read it, it was I, it still boggles the mind that Alderson kept his job after that. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't. I guess it's not actually that surprising. It's just depressing. It's not surprising. It doesn't necessarily, sadly, it doesn't surprise me that he kept his job. It's just, it just surprises me that, like, people are, are just allowing these quotes from him to pass by without pointing that out. Like, like that they just accept that he can like I think a lot of people are frustrated with the you know the the whole concept of like well you're the common denominator here I think people realize that and people especially like you know people with good intentions understand that but I think that not enough people are pointing out that like it's flat out wrong what he's saying like he's not right about it like he he can't say he can't pretend that he can hide behind this Chris I don't have a crystal ball defense it's it's not it's not a viable defense because there's actual evidence against that defense. Well, and like that we you said on Allison, yeah, like you said earlier, like he said, we're it caused us to take a look at it, but he didn't come up with like any plans. Like you had, you've known about Callaway, you've known about Porter. Why haven't you been working on changing something since then? Like, Wait, what's this? Law you had nothing doing? concrete to point to when you've had months to change the culture and you've done nothing we've heard about this law firm that they hired to look into everything but we haven't heard anything about their conclusions there's no report that i know of if there is one and someone out there one of our listeners our listeners are very savvy and many of them follow this even more than i do if one of you know about some sort of published report that this law firm produced that is out there or that was reported on, please direct it my way because I have not seen anything. They did recommend policies, but I don't know what those policies are. I think that's the extent of our knowledge is that they're coming up with new policies because sure. Okay. I mean, (laughs) that works until I see like, I mean, I don't know. Like I understand that they probably aren't going to publish those policies. There was a policy against dick pics. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, there's already the, a policy that's, against. That's the, I look that. I look at dick pics and I think that's a policy problem. <laughs> like, do you not have existing sexual harassment policies? Like every organization in theory has those. It's just you're not adhering to them. So policies don't mean anything if no one adheres to them. 
And like we said, the head of HR for the Mets was awful. So who yeah. are you reporting to? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, great. Somebody breaks the policy. And then what do you do with it? Yeah. They, they just, that, if Steve Cohen doesn't clean house after this, then I, I think he must be, I mean, already, he's obviously like already like kind of insane, but like, I mean, that, how do you look at your, your newly acquired asset? You know, the team that you love, that's the whole reason you spent like a whole art wings worth of money on the team is because you love the team. How do you look at this? And think, I want any of those humans back with this team next year. I, I right. to me, that's just like, that just blows my mind that that is even a possibility. And I really hope that it is not actually the, the outcome. And I feel like everything is so awful that I actually do kind of believe that he'll clean house. Yeah. I even though it would be very Mets to not, it would be very Mets to not though. So I'm still right. like, I'm, I'm hedging my bets here. Steve knows all about that little trick. Um, but, but like, yeah, I, he, he has to get rid of, of Alderson and, and every man all the way to the bottom. Just like every one of them, show him the door. I'm done. Yeah, like, I don't believe he'll be serious if he hires Theo Epstein because both Porter and Zach Scott came from Theo Epstein. Like, obviously he was. He, he had this culture there where this kind of behavior was acceptable or else they wouldn't have done it. Well, it's this whole like fratty yes. Wall Street bro, MBA, like, you know, beer chugging intern culture. It's this like, it's that culture just moved into baseball, into baseball. Yep. So like, I'm not surprised. I, I'm sure Wall Street, Wall Street bros drive drunk home all the time. Like that's not, you know, anyone who's seen a Yankee game departing, like, you know what that looks like. Um, and, and sexual harassment, also a problem. And it's like, normal and, for these people. And it's these firms that, you know, they bring all the people over because they like their, you know, efficiency. Um, and it's like, all right, well, we'll also take the sexual harassment and the drunk driving as long as we get the efficiency. Yep. That's exactly yep. it. And yeah, like I have seen a lot of calls for Theo Epstein to come in and fix the Mets or whatever. And I'm just like the guy, who, the guy who was Jared Porter's boss when he was gallivanting around being a sex pest is not the answer to fix this team. Are you serious? Like, but no. it's also showing what people will tolerate in the name of winning too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which sure. we also saw on Twitter today. <laughs> right. Well, and if the, if the answer to all of this is anyone reasonably qualified to fix the Mets is either a sex pest or a sex pest enabler, like that is actually entirely possible. That is it like is. just, that is absolutely something that could just be the case. But I wish that the sport cared enough about us as human beings to just be honest about that. Well, I don't know like, saw- you have to have you have to hire this shit person because those are the only people around for this job and like just admit it and then maybe we have a chance to start like changing the culture of baseball overall so this isn't a problem that they're all sex pests what the hell yeah. well the short list according to martino today was all white dudes it's like of, of course. course it is there's nobody there's i mean there's nobody else. There's like they've they've made ample sure of that that there is few 
leaders of color and female leaders in major league front offices as possible. That mm-hmm. is, that yep. is stark. If you, you think about like, there's the problem, there's problem with representation among like managers, but it is nothing compared to the problem in front offices. The other bit of news that we got from the Sandy Alderson press availability was a kind of uh, word salad about Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> um, so, listen, I I have a PhD in a, in a biological field. I'm not a medical doctor, but I still think this is word salad, pretty much what he said. Anyway, he said... It's, it's Schrodinger's UCL. It is Schrodinger's UCL. <laughs> he said basically that Jacob deGrom's elbow injury that he's been dealing with that had been undiagnosed the whole time, basically, because they were like, there's inflammation, but we don't know what the cause of the inflammation is. There's no structural damage. We don't know. Um, Was a sprain slash partial partial tear of the UCL in his right elbow, which I don't know. That sounds like structural damage to me. I'm again, I'm no expert, but like sounds like structural damage. And they had emphasized over and over that it's not structural damage. But Alderson insisted he's fine now. The ligament is perfectly intact at this point, he said. Whatever condition existed before, it's resolved itself. Now, (laughs) that's my favorite part. It resolved itself. (laughs) So we are meant to believe that Jacob deGrom had a partial tear in his UCL and the ligament healed itself by some sort of magic, sheer force of will. I don't like. I do not know. I do not oh, what's know. This spell. He's a very good pitcher, Allison. He's a He's very, very good, good pitcher. It's you know that's that's possible. What's the spell in Harry Potter that regrows the bones? Maybe they got like one of those. Oh, it's not a it's not a spell, but they drink a like potion that regrows bones. Yes, Skelligrow. <laughs> it's called so DeGrom so drinks like, some UCL grow or UCL something. grow. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, like. Is that illegal? Is that banned? I don't know. Like, again, so we're supposed to believe that his tendon healed itself. Alderson went on to say, somebody goes out with a headline that it's a partial tear. That's what a bruise is. A bruise is a partial tear of the muscle, okay? So let's not go out there and write it as if this is anything new. It's not. It's a very low-grade thing that has resolved itself. So it's one of those, like, dig up stupid. I'm just like, you already (laughs) said this word salad, and now you're making it worse because you're like, oh, he just had a bruise, and it healed. That's what a torn tendon is. And I'm like, those don't sound like the same thing to me. Like really? that's not a bruise. No, it's not like close to a bruise. That's not the same tissue. Like as I a don't, bruise. I don't understand. I don't understand either. I'm gonna. If but, there's a medical doctor that listens to our podcast, please explain. <laughs> like, but like he had. He had to have known he was meeting with the media, and this is what he comes up with. Like, did you did you have nothing prepared? I also like this is like a minor like thing in the grand scheme of things, but I just want to point out that Sandy Alderson saying okay after something that's like very not obvious and also like a horrible sentence is like very triggering (laughs) like he's done this all he does this all the time so in this quote it's a bruise is a partial tail tear of the muscle okay and i'm sitting there like he's saying okay at me like condescendingly but i don't think that he's challenging you to argue he's saying like okay are you going to 
are you going to argue about it? That's and I don't have the exact quote from the athletic pulled up, but I can remember most of it. And if you recall, it was something like not every incident between a man and a woman rises to the level of firing. Okay. And I'm just like, stop doing that. Stop yeah. doing that. Stop saying things that make me angry and then say, okay. afterwards. Stop it. <laughs> oh God. Um, so yeah, apparently Jacob de has a magical healing elbow, which is cool, I guess. Um, and he's Seems still legit. rehabbing. I don't know. He might come back this year. I don't know what all of this implies about like his timetable. If that makes it like better, I guess, or worse. <laughs> like, I don't know what this means. Or when um, did it like heal itself? Like how long has he been magically healed? Oh yeah. You were right. It is Skelligro, Allison. It's Skelligro. Yeah. And like, th- so there is again, so regarding like, you know, prognosis for DeGrom's future, regardless of Sandy Alderson's weird medical word salad. Um, Like, pitchers have pitched with partially torn UCLs before. Seth Lugo is doing it currently. Masahiro Tanaka did it for years. Now, these were, I think, no one ever tried to claim that Masahiro Tanaka or Seth Lugo magically healed themselves, like their tears were healed. (laughs) They just said that, like, you know, it's a tear and it's minor enough that you can pitch through it and just, like, you know, monitor it and it'll be fine and you just pitch until it breaks, (laughs) basically. And I would say Um, those guys also did not have, like, 800 press releases saying that there was no structural damage. Yes, correct. That's the other thing. So, like, don't believe anything anyone says about Jacob Durham's health ever again. That's so Jake might have had the had the uh, right um way to handle it was just to run away. <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. There's video oh, that- of Jacob DeGrom being approached. I think this was in DC being approached by the Mets beat. And he basically like hopped the fence into the stands and ran down the tunnel into the concourse. <laughs> like spring. Nope. He noped his way right out of there. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> no, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> We're done here. But can you imagine if, like, Lindor did that? Like, Jake oh, the, there us, but, like... The amount of shit that would be given if Francisco Lindor or Javi Baez did that is a lot, and we should not minimize that point. <laughs> yeah, It'll like, be a story it, for days. Oh, yeah. Like, even Cespedes, when he, um, when he came in against the Reds, I only know this because I had to recap the game. Um, in 2016, he was dealing with a hamstring injury, pinch hit, hit like the first pitch he saw for a game winning home run and then left the stadium. It was like the biggest mic drop. But even <laughs> that the press like had complained about. Like, it's like he came did. and did his job and went home. What more do you want? He literally did his job and went home. And, like mic drop piece. And then they had a problem with that too. Like, so even... Like, Cespedes didn't get a pass. Uh, Harvey didn't get a pass. Harvey didn't get a pass either. He's He said, like, I don't want to talk to you guys. And they got really mad about that. Even yeah, though so they, like, well, had just sh- been done making pee jokes about him. Yeah. And to be sure, like, Jacob DeGrom owes nobody a bunch of answers about what's going on inside his body. Like, I actually, I think it's kind of great that he was just like, bye, guys. <laughs> yeah, especially because, like, as I have said on Twitter, I am not happy with the level of discourse we are seeing from our beat this year it has been lowest common denominator bullshit so good for him refusing to participate in that nonsense but also they gotta look at what they give passes for and what they don't and why because it's a problem 
Well, and Strowman is not letting up on Healy either. It's oh my god, he's been tagging him in every single one of his highlights after every (laughs) game, and I am here for that pettiness. I am so so here for it. it. I'm down for the petty. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's a long season. Give us what we can get. Exactly. Like, like the media has this whole holier than thou edge. Like, like we said with the um with the rat raccoon, like we were lied to. Well, Sandy Alderson just lied to for months, months. Yeah, Sandy, mm-hmm. like Sandy Alderson just lied to your goddamn face, <laughs> and you're yeah. so you're cool with that. Then just check yeah, and is still right lying to yes, <laughs> and is still lying to our goddamn faces. Jacob Degrom's UCL didn't magically heal itself. <laughs> Come on, I like, why are we having this conversation? Oh, but where's the righteous indignation for that for being lied to? Oh. How dare they? We're but looking nope. into our hiring practices again. Where's the <laughs> calling out of that obvious yeah. lie? Yeah, like, like just, um, you had months for this. Why don't I have an answer, Sandy? But nope, they just take it at face value and move on. Nope. Rats but and raccoons has are, to and get... thumbs down things are the things that we choose to be selectively upset about. Yep. Yeah, bias has to be like dragged out to apologize. I'm like an apology from Sandy Alderson for lying to me. Sandy Alderson. If I was in a position to be writing about a fancy article that lots of people would read i might write about how a major league baseball team is like blatantly lying about its injury problems mm-hmm. yep. and ask what else is going on what else are they lying about yep. for example was in zach scott dragged in from the press to apologize for nearly killing people and why mm. And I, if I were in a position to write a very fancy article on a very fancy subscription-only publication, I would consider writing about <laughs> why Zach Scott demanded accountability from his players mm-hmm. and is not <laughs> is is not expecting any, and there's no accountability expected for him and the other members of the front office. Sandy Alderson literally did the opposite of of accountability when he answered that question. He literally did the opposite. He said, like, oh, well, you know, those were all unrelated. So it's not mm-hmm. my fault, essentially, was the was the code there. And so that's some, literally the opposite. Really, like, cowardly bullshit. Really, yeah. like, you know, just passing the buck, cowardly, weak nonsense. And it's it's a whole lot of big talk from a dude who just got popped for a DUI to not mere weeks ago talk about how players need to be accountable for their health mm-hmm. and take their health seriously. Like, what kind of bullshit is that for you to lecture the players about their health, about hydration, about like all that stuff and about how, oh, their performance when you are out here endangering your own life and the lives of others on the road. And he could just be quietly put on administrative leave and not take any accountability whatsoever. Yeah, no one's making no one's making him answer questions about it. No one's sending him out to the media and saying, oh, fans, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Apparently, yeah. all you have to do is do a thumbs down to have, to have that happen. But say he very easily could have killed a Met fan on the like, did their lives not matter? But like, oh, if your feelings got hurt by a thumbs down, that matters. But nearly killing somebody on the road is no big whoop. It's just really disappointing. Yep. Um, 
That's disappointing, Sandy Alderson. Yep. That's where you use disappointing. Yeah. Or I'm disappointed in you. Or, you know, unacceptable. The word unacceptable, unacceptable, unacceptable. for this. Um, so um, across baseball, um, there is the, the update on Trevor Bauer is mostly a non-update, but um, Jeff Passan of ESPN did write a piece where he talked about what's next for Bauer and whether he'll ever pitch again. And a lot of it is speculation because MLB has not handed down an official, you know, um, suspension or anything like that yet. Um, But he talked to several sources within the league. um, And the expectation is that Bauer will be given a suspension of quote, at least one year and multiple sources suggested to him the possibility of a two year suspension. So worth noting, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast previously, but the longest suspension that's ever been handed down under this policy previously um, was one full season, which was handed down to Sam Dyson for this current season, 2021. He is suspended for this whole season. Um, All previous players suspended under the policy have not appealed um, their suspension. But as we know, Trevor Bauer may very well be the first to do that. Um, it would not surprise anyone. I don't think, um, if Trevor Bauer is the one that bucks that trend and tries to fight it tooth and nail, um, the, there's a quote in the passing piece that I find interesting. Um, this is going to be a tremendous war. One person familiar with Bauer's approach said to Passin, he's a person who needs to, who needs complete and total vindication. So he's going to fight this to the death, maybe his own death. First of all, that's highly dramatic. That seems like a lot. That seems a lot. I'm just like, is one person familiar with Bauer's approach? Literally Trevor Bauer. (laughs) like, (laughs) Because it feels dramatic enough that that's something Trevor Bauer would say. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's Rachel Luba. I don't know. I was thinking that like it could be Luba. (laughs) It could be Luba, but um, we don't know who it is. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's the latest on him. Uh, There's like, I have no doubt. Um, that MLB will hand down a pretty lengthy suspension. It's, and I think it's, and Passon even said this in the piece, like there is pretty unilateral agreement amongst, you know, people in the league that it's not a question of if he's suspended, it's a question of how long he is suspended for. So we will see. See, that kind of bothers me though, because like one year, that's what Mickey Callaway got. So choking somebody unconscious is the same as sending dick pics? Yeah, I mean, like, this is violence. This is worse than... Yeah. And I get I there's mean, a union and a legal process and everything, but, like, you you did physical... Like you said, you did physical violence to somebody. That's, that's to me, it's escalation. I, I don't know. I don't see how those are equal. I Nothing mean, Bauer's team... Me anymore. Bauer's team will continue to argue that she was... A willing recipient of all of this, whereas you know, Mickey Calloway's recipients of his explicit messages were not willing recipients of those. Although he claimed that was consensual, so of course, of course, um, because that's their that's their folks to defense. This is all these dudes; like they're never in the wrong. How could they possibly it. be in the wrong? Yeah, exactly. She wanted it. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see on that. Um, I'm sure it'll come pretty soon i mean 
I think everyone's like, it's kind of buzzing. It's going to happen soon. So we'll see. Well, the administrative leave was just extended again. I again, believe. they keep extending yeah. it. And when the suspension comes down, is that going to include, it's not going to include the time he was on administrative leave, is it? It's going to start after. Has to. You right? would think, but I wouldn't put anything past baseball at this point. I have no idea what the actual procedure or requirement is for that. Um, but um yeah um in other like slightly more minor news but kind of worth pointing out because it touches on some themes that we've you know talked about on this podcast before um former major league and briefly Mets reliever Kyle Farnsworth wrote a tweet I blocked that out (laughs) um apparently referencing yeah because like no surprise that he behaves this way because if you recall the Mets like tried to option him to AAA and he like refused the assignment and they outrighted him and it was this whole drama and he talked about how he wanted to he wanted to his new team to be a team that plays the Mets a lot oh it was the whole thing um so he wrote a tweet which apparently referenced Trey Mancini um that said so i just saw that an mlb player didn't play today because of general soreness are you kidding me it's september everyone is sore if you can't play through soreness you shouldn't be playing the sport smh which like trey mancini's a cancer survivor and he like literally stage three colon cancer and came back and played this year which is a borderline miracle and you're giving him shit for sitting out one game because he's of all the people to get all like toxic masculinity about you pick the freaking cancer survivor jeez that's embarrassing it's really embarrassing and this is like again this is exactly the culture of toxic masculinity that permeates the sport though like the exact like rub some dirt in it like pitch through the pain or hit through the pain depending on who you are like that is like prevalent in the sport that is like permeates the entire sport that is like what the culture is um and it's changing a little bit but not fast enough well and luckily also, he got uh, dunked on a lot on yeah this. and stroman came to mancini stroman dunked on yeah. him hard and it was great he, did. <laughs> he talked about like maybe guys with poo-poo career shouldn't Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh. career slash takes that killed me. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> poo poo careers. <laughs> Strowman does not give any fucks this year, and it's no. amazing. It's so it is ah, oh, we love you, Strowman. Worth it's noting to our listeners amazing. that there's a poo poo take hat. That's one of our uh, raffle items. So if we you have enjoy two poo poo take hats, two poo poo take hats up for up for grabs for those of you who attend our September 25th raffle in person. By the way. So. But I also noticed in the replies to not Stroman's replies in um, Farnsworth's, somebody goes, oh, you should hire him, Stool Presidente. It's like, yep. Oh, Jesus. And here's oh, some yeah. star stool. Like, there's no oh, God. They, like, he's, he's, he's going after a cancer survivor. And that's the, you're like, huh. Now he, that's this the This is the kind of guy we like. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no low barstool won't stoop to. Like, they, these are the people you cultivate, and this is who baseball wants. These are the creatures that baseball wants to cater to people who berate cancer survivors. Strange horse to hit yourself to, but okay. <laughs> yep. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's the latest on that. Um, but before we move on to walk off wins, um, I just want to, you know, re up the fundraiser again. Um, you know, we, we officially launched it on our 100th episode, but you guys know that dollars for dingers is officially underway. It started on September 3rd and it runs through, um, October 3rd through the end of the season, the regular season. Um, so for every Mets home run hit, we're asking our listeners to pledge a dollar amount, um, to the national domestic violence hotline. We have our, you know, spreadsheet tracker in place that we, we've been working very hard to update. Mostly Maggie and Kellyanne have been working very hard to update. Um, Finally, my day job comes in handy. So I've, been tra- I've been training years for this. Been training years for this. So we so have been leading to this moment. We have the pledge spreadsheet um, linked at the top of our Twitter. It's our pinned tweet. Um, so at a pot of their own on Twitter, it's our pinned tweet. The link is right there. We also have the spreadsheet linked on Amazing Avenue. We have a post um, on AmazingAvenue.com for the dollars for dingers. So if you go there, the spreadsheet is also linked there. But if you want us to send you the link, you can email us, DM us, whatever, if you're having trouble finding it. Um, it's a Google spreadsheet, so you can put in your own pledge. Um, and a lot of people are doing fun extra pledges, like, you know, Pete home runs are worth extra or pitcher home runs or pitcher strikeouts. Like people have gotten really creative and I've loved, I've loved seeing what our listeners have come up with. Um, and it's been really fun. And so far we've already raised with the 10, with the 10 home runs, the Mets have hit plus all the extras. We've already raised $2,366 for the national domestic violence hotline and pledge dollars. So that is freaking awesome. Um, but in addition to that, obviously we will be having our in-person raffle. We already have a ton of cool prizes lined up for you guys. I catch in Astoria Queens on September 25th at 5 PM. Um, so please come and join us if you can, um, vaccination will be required to attend like we mentioned. So please, please bring your vax cards with you. We'll be outside. Um, and it'll be a great time. So please come. Um, we have lots of cool prizes, including two poo-poo take hats, but so much more than that. <laughs> so come bid on prizes, raise extra money um, for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, we're having a great time. The Mets, the Mets offense chose a good time to wake up because Dollars for Dingers is in full swing now. So we're very excited about it. Um, so keep those it's pledges coming. It's been a week, right? And it hasn't even been a week. Up. No, it's yeah. only been like four days. Um, and we already have over two thousand dollars. That's awesome. Yep. yep. It's because it's because the Mets like scored 13 runs and then like you know, an eleven runs in the other game. Like they've hit all they all of a sudden they've started hitting. So uh, they've, they've done it before they they know they must know our schedule. They must be on the ball because this is not the first time that there has been a uh, dollars for dingers offensive breakout. So thank you, Mets. It happened in 2019 too. Um, so, you know, uh, all I'm gathering from this is that next year in 2022, we need to have dollars for dingers all year. <laughs> That's all I'm gathering. Um, well, Baez has been our dollars for dingers hero so far, yes, right? So yeah. far. Yes. I think he has the most. He hit our first one and I think he has the most. I think he has the most. And I think Lindor and Pete and, and, and the Illers are doing great. The Illers. Yes. Our, Ooh, our big, beautiful in. Illers are doing fantastic. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can tell you. Okay. I can tell you. I'm pulling up the spreadsheet. <laughs> we Luke have an extensive spreadsheet, light. folks. I need um, a light appearance. Wait, I think Javi, Pete, Lindor, and Pilar all have two. Okay. Oh, nice. But yeah, there's 
Um, there's just been a lot of general well, offensive breakouts. Grand slam too. Oh yes. yeah, Pilar that was did a the big grand one. slam bonus. Some people had grand yeah. slam bonuses, and Pilar came through with that. Now we just need a pitcher to hit a home run because a lot of people have big bonuses for pitcher. I know. Oh, Somebody, I, I'm specifically and- asking Marcus Stroman because I think he's the most capable of it. Please, please, Stro. He does have a home run in his career. He has one home run in his career. Because I was just talking to, before we started recording, I was talking to Maggie about this in our Slack. And I was like, ooh, I don't have much hope for the pitcher homers because if you look at our staff right now, because, you know, DeGrom and Syndergaard are both injured and they were kind of the biggest home run threats on the staff. And, you know, McGill and Rich Hill are very much not hitters. So we've seen it. I mean, you know, Tyler McGill can put a swing on the ball occasionally, but they're, they're really not home run hitters. Um, and, you know, and Rich Hill spent a lot of his recent career in the American league. So, you know, um, and then, um, Taiwan Walker is hitting opposite handed right now. He's hitting left-handed. So I think that even if he can, you know, get a couple base knocks left-handed, which he already has done, uh, I'm not sure the power is going to be there if you're hitting lefty when you're not left-handed. Um, so it's kind Lupo of up to has a home run in his career. Maybe, maybe Who? by some miracle Lugo will bat. <laughs> oh yeah. Lugo. Lugo does have a home run. That's true. So you never know. Stranger never. things have happened. Stranger things. Bartolo freaking- Cologne. Bartolo Cologne hit a home run. Stranger things have definitely happened than any of the current Mets yes, pitching staff hitting a home run. It's That's true. very true. And the exact quote I said to Maggie is that if if Dick Mountain hits a home run, I will eat my shorts because like, I think we work. should all give money. Like we should all give sixty nine dollars if Dick Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I no. If if everyone else is in on that, I'm in on that. If Dick Mountain <laughs> hits a home run, everyone has to give an extra sixty nine dollars. <laughs> this is official. <laughs> For the Mets, who, who officially hit a 69 and 69 record for the first time in their history, by the way. Very nice. And they had to work pretty hard to get to that they record did. also. Everything had to really just click. They had to go on an epic losing streak and then go on an epic winning streak <laughs> to get to 69 and 69. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, please, please make your pledges. It's not too late. You can still make them. Even if the fundraiser is going on, we will take pledges up until the very last moment. We do not care. We will retroactively calculate them for you. Um, so yeah, please make your pledges um, on our Twitter. Um, and if you need the link, let us know. We'll send it to you. We'll get it to you. Um, but in the meantime, we will finish off the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so my walk-off win is a little, it's a little bittersweet. Um, it's not a pure walk-off win, but today was my daughter's last day at her nursery school. Um She's starting pre-K, but, but specifically this nursery school, uh, Thomas started there when he was 12 weeks old and I was going back to work and I have had at least one child continuously at that daycare, except for, um, lockdown. So I'm just, I'm going to miss them so much. But the, the, the walk-off win part is that they were amazing. That's why I'm going to miss them. And we got to have like a second home for our babies and like anyone with kids, especially like a working mom knows that that is 
an unbelievable thing to find, like a, a place that will, that, that loves your kids that just cares about them. And, you know, wants to, wants to see them happy and wants to help them grow and just is just really happy to be a part of that. And, you know, shows your kids affection and respect. And I know at the end of the day, it just comes out. We were so lucky to have had that for seven years. And I just can't believe now we say goodbye. It's I like Ellie was very, was very emotional all day. And I, I played it very cool, but I was also very emotional all day. Um, but yeah, if anyone, if, if anyone in Northern Manhattan needs a daycare, DM me. Um, and I will happily give you their information because they are amazing. And yeah, we, so that's, that's my shout out to Ellie's nursery school for being incredible. And, um, yeah, we'll miss you. That's great. I, I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, it was this American life, um, on NPR and they did a podcast recently about essential workers and like all the different shapes that takes during the pandemic and like, and their stories. And one of them was, you know, an early childcare like center, like a daycare. Um, and they talked about how, like, you know, oftentimes they're not valued the way, like everyone talked about teachers and, you know, obviously like I, I, my partner is a teacher. Like I value teachers a hell of a lot, but they were talking about like, you know, everyone talks about teachers, but we aren't talked about enough. Cause like we aren't a school and we don't have the resources of a school, but we still are expected to do all the things that a school. And they don't have the salary of a school no. and they don't have the union of a school. They don't have the ben- like daycare workers are consistently some of the worst paid professionals out there. And, you know, and, and a lot of them have, have, at least bachelor's degrees. And it is still, I mean, just the, I, and I know that our, our teachers have been around for a long time. So I think that our, um, I think with less, with such little turnover, I think ours are probably pretty well taken care of, which is also amazing. Cause like running a daycare is incredibly expensive. Um, but yeah, it's, they, they really get kind of the worst of, of everything in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, my sister's probably in a similar situation because she found a daycare that she really liked when Emily was little. And Emily's going to be eight next month. And then she put Danny in the same daycare. And Danny's going to kindergarten next year. So she's going to, so she's not going to have any kids in that daycare. But my friend moved up from New Rochelle to, um, farther north near my sister so then she was asking oh do you know of any daycare so now her daughter is in the daycare so at least we still have because my sister like recommended her and helped her get her daughter in so so we'll still have that connection because yeah she will she loves the teachers and you're right the peace of mind knowing your kids are taken care of during the day and people who genuinely care like it's it's a big thing yeah, it's it's hard to find. And we were definitely very lucky to have had it when we did, even if I now don't know what to do next with my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the babies are growing up. They are. Yep. Shout out to all the daycare workers out there. Um, hey, we love you. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, my walk-off win, like I said last week, um, was 
uh, that I didn't know if I would have an apartment to go home to. And it turns out I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they took care of everything. Everything was done by the time I got home. Like, I don't really think they didn't listen to the whole two hours last week. I don't blame you. So I'll backtrack a little bit and say that um, I had a pipe break in my apartment right before I left on vacation and it needed to be completely gutted. Um, so, and then I had to find a home for my cat and I ended up having to board her and it was really upsetting. How am I supposed to be a mother when I can't like, when I'm overthinking a cat, like, I was like, she'll be upset. She'll be with other cats. She doesn't know <laughs> there'll be dogs there. So, but she, I called and checked in on her and she was fine. Um, and she's been fine since I got home. But, um, but yeah, everything was done. I had a cat sitter pick her up Saturday because I called Friday and they said, yeah, the big stuff is done. You can, you can go home. So I had a cat sitter pick her up and then drop her off in my place. And she said, oh, their tools and stuff are still here. So I'll just put her in your bedroom and it'll be fine. So I was like, okay, I guess the concrete was all done. And then they had the floor and I was like, okay, I guess they, the concrete was still wet and they didn't have time to put the floor or whatever. Um, and then I got a call from the guy. He's like, oh, are you home? And I was like, no, I just had my cat put in my room. And he was like, oh, I'm here to finish your floor. So when I got home, everything was completely redone. Like I have brand new floors. Um, he put all my furniture back. Um, so it was, it really was like, they were never here, but the problem is, and my uncle warned me about this because my uncle was an architect and I was talking to him about, and he said, when they cut the concrete, there's going to be dust everywhere. And that's my main issue is I'm finding the concrete dust everywhere and it's driving me crazy. Um, better than that, I'm back home. My cat is home. <laughs> Even yeah. though I had to come home from vacation, you know, I'm happy to have a home. <laughs> Um, oh, and also, and also on vacation, I saw dolphins a couple of times. That was fun. I saw dolphins swim by. So that's all. Walk up when, like, we were eating breakfast on the boardwalk, and the and the, a pot of dolphins came swimming by. So that was really fun. So those are my two walk up wins. I have a home, <laughs> and I saw a dolphin. Oh, and I saved a bird. Oh, oh. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. I saved a bird. Um, we were on the boardwalk, and a bird flew into a store. I was like, oh no, he's going to get stuck. And he went, he flew right into a corner and he couldn't get himself out. And this other woman came over and she was looking too. And she goes, you saw him, right? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's stuck. And it was a jewelry store. So then he like wedged himself behind one of the jewelry cases. So then she got like a little pole and was like trying to guide him. And then I went around the other side of the jewelry case and he like hopped right into my hand and I got him. And then he flew right down and then went right behind the jewelry case. I was like, dude, come on. So then I got him again. And again, he like hopped into my hand and I turned around to like free him. And he flies across the room right into a wall. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but then my brother was there and he said, cause I was like, Oh, and I didn't see him, but my brother said he got up and flew away. And, um, 
And I was like, oh, good. I'm glad he was okay after flying into a wall. And the other woman goes, oh, the poor bird's having a rough night. And then she came back and she was like, oh, here, take some Purell. Birds carry diseases. <laughs> so then she like poured Purell into my hand. So that was my excitement for <laughs> We're down the shore. I saw dolphins and I saved a bird. And when a, and a gentleman came out of the store and he goes, Oh, thank you for what you did, what you did. That was really nice. I was like, I couldn't leave a poor bird like stuck. Like, I don't I I I I would never be able to like walk away. I love animals too much. So those are my three walk <laughs> Linda Servich is a friend to all animals and all animals I know. Like uh I would be still white if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you in, in that role, definitely. Um, <laughs> so my walk-off win this week is that my parents came down to visit for Labor Day weekend, um, came down to visit Michael and I in D.C., so that was really nice. We went to two of the Mets-Nats games over the weekend, and they were both wins. <laughs> so that was good. Yay! We picked the right games. We picked the right games. It was, we went to the day game of the Saturday doubleheader. So that was like, even though it was a win, it was pretty painful <laughs> because <laughs> they blew a 9 nothing lead in that game. Um, and then they came back and went and won 11 to nine, uh, on a Francisco Lindor Homer. So that was really great. Like that moment was good. And the whole like first part of the game when they went up nine, nothing was really good, but the middle part of that game, who boy, was that bad? <laughs> um, like I was like, Oh, I can't believe they're about to give this entire lead back. And they did. Um, it was almost historic. Like they had never lost a game where they were up that big before in the franchise history. And they managed to not, um, but only by the skin of their teeth. But then Sunday's game was a little better in that regard. We went to Sunday's game. Um, it was still like, you know, the Mets built up a lead early. Taiwan Walker gave it all back. Um, and the game was tied going into the ninth inning, but then, um, the Mets had like a six run ninth and they won, uh, 13 to six or whatever it was. So it was, you know, that was nice. Um, that was really fun. Um, so yeah, at least they won both the games we went to. So that was really good. Um, and otherwise it was also a really nice weekend. The weather was beautiful. It did rain a little bit on us on Sunday, but like much cooler, not oppressively hot, you know, really nice. Um, on Sunday night, we got takeout and we got to sit on the rooftop deck of my building and, you know, have some beers and eat takeout food and with views of the Capitol. And it was just really nice. Um, it was a lovely weekend with my parents and I really enjoyed, um, having them visit. So that is my walk-off win. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, you can uh, read all about the various Mets debacles and winning streaks and losing streaks and all their Metsy Metsness on AmazingAvenue.com. Check out all of our articles. We have game recaps for you guys. We have morning news posts. I have meters, all that good stuff um, on AmazingAvenue.com. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. We're constantly tweeting about dollars for dingers these days. So we'll have our dollars for dingers tweets, live updates, all of that at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in one.